Hello, and welcome to the MKG Podcast, the podcast that helps marketers grow their businesses using the four M's, the right means, messaging, media, and measurement. I'm your host, Carrie Gard, and to help me introduce today's guest is a little different. I do like to have our experts on and people from my team, but I actually am bringing my business coach on because today's conversation is centered around this. So Adrian Menstel, thank you for joining me. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on again. Uh, glad to be here and excited to talk about this topic. I, it's obviously very pertinent to you and I. It is. It is leadership coaching. So uh, let, I think we should start at the beginning and how we got, how we got started as you being my coach. Yeah. So, and definitely interrupt me because uh, memory is fairly malleable here. But what I recall is you and I both started at a, a relatively large ad agency in Seattle and we this we focused on media and then we kind of went our separate ways a little while after that uh, you founded this company and i went and worked at a different ad agency and then ultimately a large tech company um and then uh i had a kid and you had already had two and we ended up having a play date and then from there we just kind of caught up again on what each other was doing and kind of what that was like and I can't help but want to work with people that I worked with before, especially when it was such a great relationship. And so I found that you were doing all of these things that I was currently doing and not, I felt I wasn't doing them very well, which was basically leading a team. I had never really led a team at my other previous agencies before I start, went off and decided to start a company and you had been leading lots. <laughs> and so there was this clear opportunity for us uh, basically for me to learn and grow and feel confident in something I was definitely not feeling confident in. And I, and that's how we got kicked off essentially of getting and working together again, which was so exciting for me because yeah, we had no, I, such a fun relationship at, uh, it was. And, and you know, we, we, I think we talk about it at length too, bringing it back up on how it was. Cause I think that we were somewhat atypical of, the other employees there at the time in that I'm pretty sure they thought we were fighting all the time. <laughs> um, and we weren't at all. I, and and uh, I know that we, we mentioned this a lot, but they were just in depth, somewhat intense conversations where we, we did disagree, but there was really no animosity in it at all. And, you know, now that I, I'd like to think I'm older and wiser, I'm probably just older, but um really what I think it was is we were each doing a good job of being our authentic selves, but doing it in a way that was respectful and mm -hmm. not, we just weren't jerks. I mean, there was no reason to be a jerk. It about was, it. we never made it personal. No, it was never personal. Even though I know that we did, I don't remember what we disagreed about, but I'm sure we disagreed about stuff. <laughs> um, so I think that it was, that was very different than every, all of our peer group. Definitely. Um, I mean, this was early on in our careers. So everyone was fairly, I mean, yeah, first, yeah. second job out of college um, and in advertising, that's still pretty young um, and just learning how to interact with people. So I think we were just really different in that respect. So I think what was really great about it was that we were learning from each other. So mm -hmm. we each yeah, recognized, even yeah, even then we both immediately recognized what each of us was good at. Mm -hmm. and then would turn to the other person for their opinion. Yeah. And yep. then, and then sort of poke the bear about like, I hear your opinion. That sounds sound, but here are some other ways I'm thinking about that. Does that still hold? Yeah. So we always walked away with a better understanding of what 
that initial question was, I felt. And so I felt very comfortable with taking advice from you as a coach because I had built that relationship with you already knowing what your strengths were and then how Mm -hmm. that even evolved over the years with the Mm -hmm. different roles you've taken. And so there was this level of trust that was already there that we didn't have to start with from scratch. Yeah. And you know, so I totally agree. It's almost that we are in a, a, a similar relationship even prior to you coming back and reaching out or us reconnecting. And I think one of the things that I knew was going to work out because I had already worked with you before and we had that pre-existing relationship. I knew that moving into a mentor or a coach position was going to be, I don't know if I'd call it relatively easy, but as smooth as you can expect, because Mm -hmm. I knew after we had our conversations, there wasn't going to be like bad behavior. And you're not going to go, if you and I agree that we're going to do something, then we go and do that. So it's not a babysitting gig. It's more of, hey, these are the things that are going to help you. Let's be real about a timeline of when they could happen. But let's talk about making sure that we integrate on this and let's be good about checking in on it and things like that. Because as someone that that has had the opportunity to to mentor some others, um, I'm actually very selective on who I will put energy into because I want them to be successful, and it is a bit of a tax, and it's 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 a great tax, and when things work out, everything's wonderful. But when it doesn't work out, you're just so you're so drained. Mm-hmm. So you have to be. It's almost like interviewing someone for mm-hmm. a company. You have to make sure that that person's gonna come to the table really willing to put in the work um once that you know once that work starts yeah and i knew that was going to be the case with you i had no doubt based on our prior conversations Mm -hmm. i knew that you'd handle our communication style very very well and if you were saying that this is an area that you wanted help in and we had a conversation there was no doubt in my mind that if we agreed on a move forward path unless some obstacle came to stop us you were going to go and do it so it was really easy for me to move into that kind of role with you for sure because of that. And on my side, I was really comfortable with you because I knew that you were going to challenge me and you weren't going to let me off the hook and you were going to call a spade a spade and you were going to put me to work. And that's what I, and I knew I needed it. And so that's why I was very comfortable with being like, yes, I'm comfortable with working with somebody I already know. So our relationship is very different because we knew each other and that's not always Mm -hmm. the case. So today I have, uh, Marina Venturelli, who is a senior director of uh, demand generation at Sumo Logic. So she's leading a team over at Sumo Logic. And Kate Gigex, who's the founder of Development, Development Corps, who is a leadership coach. And so Kate became Marina's leadership coach. And they come on today to talk through their relationship, why Marina felt like she needed a coach, why she chose Kate, which is an amazing story about. Yeah, I like that. I don't want to give anything away. I liked it. I thought it was such a smart decision. And her thought process really shows a mature individual that's really taking seriously personal growth, the way that she chose. I thought that was really great. Totally agree. And I just love their story of Marina's evolution, but how Kate went on this journey with her. It's Mm -hmm. just so moving. Mm -hmm. And I think it really speaks to why everybody could benefit from a leadership coach if they're running a team and the, and the power of that. So let's take a listen. Marina and Kate, thank you for joining me on the MKG podcast. Thank Thank you. Thanks for having us. 
so excited to have you both here and to, to share your story and the journey that you have both come and together. So Marina, why don't you share with the audience who you are, where you've come from and what you're doing now in your journey? Sure. Well, um, I'm going to start from the very beginning. Uh, I was born and raised in small town, Montana. Uh, when I was growing up, there was one stoplight. Now there's two. Uh, so I, I really have a unique perspective in terms of now living in Silicon Valley, uh, but growing up in a very, very small, small town. Um, from there, I, I graduated from college um, and really started my journey in marketing in Silicon Valley about 14 years ago. I started out in uh, social media uh, right when it was coming up. So uh, I was hired to do uh, tweeting and blogging and run a Facebook page for a, a small nonprofit uh, in the heart of Silicon Valley. And I really learned a unique perspective about marketing in the sense of you know, social media lends itself to be a very playful, communicative, real type type um, rhetoric and and conversation. So I really took that in and and leaned into it and started to make my own personality uh, through that marketing in social media, and be a little bit edgy and a little bit um, fun. And I did that for a, a couple of companies, and then. About five years into it, I was hired by a, a security company, a cybersecurity company, and they hired me to do social media, but also demand gen in social media. So think of it as a way of driving leads or pipeline or conversations through social media, and I needed to figure out how to measure that. So I didn't know anything about Salesforce. I didn't know anything about Marketo. I knew how to talk in 140 characters. I knew how to do some blogging and, and run a Facebook page and be funny and witty and conversational. And now I needed, I was in a role where I needed to drive real revenue and pipeline for a, a cybersecurity company. So I took it upon myself to learn all I could about systems and, and social media combined. Um, so I, I dove into Salesforce, I dove in Marketo, started to understand tracking. Um, and when we would have webinars or, you know, release white papers, I would tweet about them and, and have, you know, backend tracking. So I could answer the questions of how much revenue, how much pipeline are you driving from actual social media channels? And it was really fascinating. It was really a combination of sort of this creative, funny, witty, edgy part with this system-based um, qualitative type approach where I could say, you know, I, we had a webinar and there were 200 people on there and I drove 50 from Twitter and 20 from Facebook and so on and so forth. Um, and so it was a really great combination of, of these two kind of parts of the brain. Uh, from there, I stayed at the company and then moved more into a product marketing slash demand gen role, still owning social media, but owning more channels uh, in the demand gen space as well. And really honed the craft of, you know, meeting with salespeople, um, understanding their needs, uh, as well as, you know, what demand gen measurement should be. Uh, also honing in on, on systems and tracking and building reports. Um, and then from there, I left and, and ran all of uh, demand gen for a small startup that was then acquired, uh, within a year acquired by Microsoft. And then that leads me to where I am today, uh, running uh, global demand gen at Sumo Logic. And in running the demand gen at Sumo Logic, it's very much a, a managed, you know, this manager role, leadership role. Can you tell us about what more specifically you're doing? Yeah. Um, in terms of your role at sure. Logic? 
So I've been here for about four years. And when I started, I was, I inherited a couple of people and it was really, it was really about coming in and, and, and providing that systems and that operational sense of building a machine and building ROI. You know, the first questions I needed to answer was, we're going to give you a X million dollars a year uh, and you're going to be required to tell us what we're getting from that from a revenue and pipeline perspective. So I took everything that I, I built in the beginning at all my previous companies and said, okay, here's what we're going to do from an operational standpoint. We're going to build a life cycle. We're going to build scoring. We're going to understand if we put a million dollars into this channel, we're going to drive X pipeline and, and then, uh, and then revenue. And so um, the first sort of half of my tenure here at Sumo so far has really been about quantifying and, and I hate to say proving, but in a sense, you know, I was uh, far less experienced than a lot of other folks that they were, they were looking to bring on in this role. So there was a sense of, I did need to come out of the, the gate and prove myself that I could do this and, and really take a, a company and, and scale it. So it was really operational and it was really transactional, even with my inherited team members, right? It was a delegation of here's what we need to do here, you know, go do it. Tact, you could even call it tactful with a to-do list. Um, and that was my relationship with the folks that I inherited. Um, and, and it was really, really, um, I guess, transactional relationship is kind of how I, I would describe it. And shortly after that, we had the engine running, we had channels up and running, we were having amazing really, uh, conversations with sales and even the CEO and, and um, of, of what was happening with, with our leads, with our marketing qualified leads. We were seeing pipe gen coming through this, we were seeing closed one revenue. And it was really exciting to say that, you know, this is what I have built, the team was really running. And about two years in, I remember the day, it was actually two years ago, the end of February, oddly enough, I was sitting in a women's seminar and I, I, I assure you, I'm not making this up. I wish I, I could, but <laughs> I wish I was this creative, but um, I was sitting in the back of this women's seminar and there was this woman uh, presenting to the females of uh, leaders of Sumo Logic. And it was the beginning of the year and, and I knew that Sumo was, you know, he, they give out promotions at the end of the year. And I, I was just thinking to myself, you know, I had, I had built this engine. I was able to quantifiable uh, quantify, you know, what we were doing. I was able to answer all of those uh, important questions to uh, for CEOs and, and sales leaders and marketing leaders of, you're spending X amount of money. What are you driving? What are you closing? Um, and I, I really, I really felt like I, I was missing something. I wanted to be promoted. Uh, I, I had done all of the numbers, all of the reporting. And I just remember saying, gosh, I, I just, I'm missing something and I don't know what it is and I'm willing to open myself up and figure out with, you know, what that is and, and what I need to get to the next level. And what is the, you know, so what is the next level? It sounds like you're yeah. in a role now where you are doing some management of a team specifically for lead gen, you know, lead gen, demand gen. And so what is that essentially next step that yeah. you are looking to take? It's interesting because, you know, I often equate it to a promotion in title and pay, and I think mm -hmm. we do. Um, but I think it's now that I can look back, it's, it's, it's much more of a personal journey. It was something that isn't, you can't give it a title necessarily, and you can't give it uh, sort of a tangible thing. Um, I didn't know that then, but I definitely know that now. And, and 
it's it's more about understanding what kind of leader you want to be and, and going from that transactional relationship to your team to having a much more deeper uh, connection with with your team to get essentially more out of them and and get them motivated and really help them understand that you know this is a, a place of growth and it's a place of sharing and connectedness um, maybe something that they haven't experienced before so it was really uh, I, again, it's easy to look back now and say what it was, um, but at the time it was really quantifiable of, I, I, need, to, I need to be better with my team uh, to get this promotion was really how I was looking at it. And so how did you, you're sitting in this seminar, you're yeah. hearing from this woman, you're, you're realizing that you need to make this step. So what was that next step that you took then? Yeah, so I, years ago, Prior to that, I had heard of something about executive coaching, and I really didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I thought, wow, that sounds really executive and really important, and I feel like maybe if I inquire about that, uh, that could help me understand what I'm missing. Um, and so I, you know, I went to uh, the woman that, at Sumo who, put, who organized the, this seminar, and I just said, wow, I'm really interested in executive coaching. Um, and, and it was more personally, I was willing to, to do it on my own. And, um, you know, the, the sumo folks were really in, in, intrigued by it and, and willing to invest in me. And they said, well, actually let us, you know, uh, make this introduction and let us kind of facilitate this for you and, and go from there. So they really took, it's really cool that sumo took such an interest in your career path and where you wanted to go and realizing that, this was a great, cause I also feel like you built this amazing thing for them. And it's a little, like, it's a little scary to be like, Oh, but do we move her? And does yeah. this whole thing collapse? And, you know, so what was the feeling behind It's really cool that they didn't feel that way and that they, they, they did. So what did they do next then? If they were saying, okay, we're going to facilitate this thing. What does that mean? Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. So, um, the woman at the seminar who was presenting, she actually is part of a, a a firm that has an executive coaching arm to it. And so I got, uh, HR got me in touch with her, we chatted. Um, and then she said, you know, uh, let me put you in touch with the woman who runs the, the executive coaching arm. So then I spoke with her and she said, we have, I have two amazing coaches who uh, I think would be great for you. And uh, the next step is really, um, you know, a, a conversation with them. I think they call it a coaching fit. Um, call and and we just scheduled that and then I, I spoke to the two women. And so you sat down with two women. Yeah. And it was two totally different experiences, if right. I remember rightly. Can you talk through yeah. what that was like? Yeah. Um, so I, I first met with Kate uh, and I I remember, you know, it was on Zoom. We were or, or FaceTime, something like that. And we could physically see each other and I just, she just, right off the bat, it was uh, very comfortable at first. Um, and then she, she has some, asked some really amazing questions and amazing questions around um, more about the person and how I think and who I am and where I come from and, and how I operate and how I move through this world. And I just thought it was in, insanely fascinating, but also extremely uncomfortable. I can remember just like, I was nervous after the call. I had the pit in my stomach and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so not how I think. This is not how I approach the world. Uh, you know, this is, it was just very uncomfortable. Um, 
And I think within that same week, I met with the other woman and um, it, it was a, a great experience. It was certainly much more in my wheelhouse of very logical and planning and, and here's what we're going to go through. Here's, you know, here's sort of the tactical list. Here's how this works. Um, definitely very much more lends itself to be more my way of thinking. And I got off the phone and I instantly said, I am going to choose Kate. If I'm going to, you know, do this and, you know, fix whatever I think is not there or, or get some sort of perspective that I think I'm missing, Kate is definitely that person for me because of just the very difference in the way that we approach the world. And I, I just kind of said, I'm going to be insanely uncomfortable. And I think that's the only way I'm going to grow. Uh, I want to get to Kate in a second, but I, I'm so interested in your thought process because it's so easy to just go with easy and no, and what you know and what's familiar and what's comfortable. It's so, you know, even when you are trying to do something big, especially when you're trying to do something big, I feel like we'll go with what you know. So I just want to understand your headspace a little bit and taking this leap. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I guess from, you know, just me personally, it's if, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it either go all in or the best of my abilities and just, you know, strip down all of the, the armor and just do it. Um, I, that's why, you know, it's funny. I don't commit to much, but when I do, it's, it's everything that I am. And I think that's just the way that I approached this. I, you know, I was again, very, and I look back now and it seems a little trite, but very motivated by getting promoted and very understanding that I have some weaknesses and some blind spots. And I, and in order for me to, to feel like I, you know, get promoted and, and, and make more money, I needed to do this. Now that I look back, I mean, it's, it's so much more than that. And, and it's, it's just, you know, uh, come into me in every part of my life. However, at that time, it was just, again, me personally, I'm just going to go big. It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to learn a lot. I'm going to put everything I have into this and hopefully I get promoted. And at the end of the day, I'm actually a, a different human looking at the world in a little different way. And I think that goes to show, Marina, in looking at your history and where you came from and how you tackled social and lead gen and brought these things together. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you really had to throw yourself fully in to understanding all these systems to really build this thing and get you to where you got to. So it does seem like it is part of who you are and so cool. So I'm going to switch gears because I think we need to hear from Kate now and understand, Kate. Where, what, what's your story and how have you become a coach and um, why coaching? Sure. Um, so my background is in psychology. I have always been really curious about people. People just fascinate me, just different motivations and why people act the way they do and why we like certain things and why we get along so well with some people and we don't with others. So these are just the things that I've thought about from a very young age. And when I went to college and sat in my first Psych 101 class, I thought, wow, this is, this is my topic. These, these are my people. And I always kind of assumed I would be a therapist because I know I love the one-on-one -on -one work. But what I ultimately found was that therapy um, made me a little bit sad that that level of dysfunction and people struggling with anxiety and depression and, and that sort of thing it felt a little bit problem focused. And I, I know that I am a, an empath and a very sensitive person. And I thought, gosh, if I, 
if I go down this road, I think it's going to make me sad. So I ended up studying organizational psychology, which is really the science of leadership and motivation, um, training, development, that sort of thing, which felt a little bit um, safer, if you will, that it, it didn't feel quite so messy. And that felt a little bit better to me. So early career, I was a management consultant. I was in Washington, DC, and then I moved internal to an organization. And that's when I started working one-on-one -on -one with people again. So it was almost full circle for me of, ah, this is where I need to be, is one-on-one. -on -one. I think that's where I make um, a, a deeper, more meaningful connection with people and where I see transformation happening is really in a one-on-one -on -one relationship. And that led me to coaching. So I started out as an executive coach internal to an organization. And then I went out on my own and hung a shingle and um, started doing coaching and um, facilitation work within organizations. And I partner with different organizations. And one of the organizations that I partner with is the Leadership Research Institute. And it was Joelle J that um, is a principal at the Leadership Research Institute uh, who specializes in working with female leaders. That's part of the connection that we found I really love. I found that in my coaching, I love the complexity of the leadership challenges that women face. And Joelle was doing a lot of this work. So um, it was Joelle who was giving the seminar that Marina sat in and um, that connected the two of us. So, um, so we can thank Joelle for, yes. um, for our connection. So that's what, that's what led us to, to our fit call. And one of the things I've learned about doing fit calls is, you know, I, in my own journey and being confident in what I have to offer as a coach, which was so important because a fit call is essentially a first date. And it was really hard as a coach not to feel like, oh, I want you to like me and pick me, pick me. But what I found is that when I did that, when I was too focused on people picking me, I wasn't being fully authentic. So when I met Marina, I was on my own journey of showing up as unapolog un unapologetically authentic as I possibly could to say, here's who I am. And if you don't like this, then don't pick me because I want you to pick me because you want to do this work and you like that I ask questions that other people in your life might not be asking or questions you don't know the answer to. And if you need a strong process or a here's exactly what this is going to look like, I'm not your gal. So I was really at a point where I was emphasizing that the fit call goes both ways, that I want to pick the person and I want them to fit me, um, to pick me. And with Marina, I think um, I, I did want her to pick me. I wanted her to pick me because I could see in her that she was ready to answer some big questions. Um, I, don't, I don't know if she's, I don't remember if you mentioned, just seeing her across the Zoom camera, she was unlike anybody I'd ever worked with before. So I, I was, I'm somewhat used to working in corporate America. So you mentioned Sumo sponsoring this for Marina. And that's about 85% of my portfolio um, is working with people whose organizations are sponsoring coaching for them. Um, I love working with women. So that's also about 85% of my portfolio. But Marina was different in that she was in a t-shirt and she had a full sleeve of tattoos and she was asking me some questions around what's normal yeah what's normal for what's going to happen and i could see that one of her big questions was are you going to make me fit in the box mm -hmm. is that is that how you would describe it yeah i mean i one of my in both calls one of my 
biggest things about this journey was, am I going to have to change, right? I don't, you know, I, working in Silicon Valley, right, our dress, dress is a little, a little more casual than, than most. However, there's, you know, uh, you know, I have tattoos and a nose piercing and sometimes my hair's pink. And am I going to have to change that expression of who I am to, to be able to sit at the table the, at the executive level? And that was, a, it was a big hang up for me. And I, yeah, and so I, I that was a, a conversation of, do I have to change? What is, nor what is normal for, for executives? Um, and C-level and type folks. Okay, so you have this FIT meeting. We're going to come back to that. Don't worry. But you have this FIT meeting and Marina makes a tough choice. So you talked a lot about tough questions. Both of you have mentioned tough questions on both sides. I'm curious though, and I, and I don't know if this question is for Kate, Marina, or whoever has the best memory maybe, of what those questions, what, what were those questions and why were they different than what most people ask. I can give my recollection. Uh, so uh, during the fit call, the you know the conversation was a lot about you know neuroscience and how how you think and how that you know how that really leads to everything that you do. Um, when when I first met with Kate after the decision was final and we decided that we were going to do this together, I, I think the very first question was like, "Well, tell me about your childhood," and I was like, "What?" And the heck does this have to do with anything about me at work? And it was, I was, I was quite frankly caught off guard. And I, I even thought, you know, I remember going into the meeting saying, you know, I want to, I want to conduct better meetings, right? I want, I want, that's one of the things I want to get out of this executive coaching. And then, you know, the first question is, well, well tell me about your childhood. I was very confused of, of how that, how that, um, how that even correlates. Obviously now I, I can connect the dots, but at that point I was just like, why, why are we taking a very emotional whole body approach to a very practical, I just want to run better meetings. Um, and I think that, you know, Kate's approach to coaching is, is really in line with that. And you don't pull any punches, Kate. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't. Well, one observation I have is that there's always an issue. It's like the Trojan horse, right? Um, a lot of times the issues are time management and running better meetings and executive presence and all these kind of buzzwords, but that's never the real thing. So I'm okay. Like ride in on your Trojan horse, but then we're going to cut through to the, let's talk about you. Let's talk about who you are. So I want to make a distinction around cutting straight into talking about your childhood because that could reek a little bit of, of therapy. <laughs> um, and the distinction I make there is that I want to understand the person. I want to understand the context of the person. And it's not that we're going to resolve your childhood issues. It's that I want to understand you and I want to really deeply um, connect with you as a whole person because you coach a whole person. You don't just coach this um, suit as it may be, not in Marina's case, but <laughs> that, that you wear for the 10 hours a day that you're at work, that the context is important. And what I found is that for people to really deeply trust enough to share that you have to see them. You have to see them as a whole person um, and invite them on this journey of, we're not going to throw up these filters. We're going to talk about you as a whole person because we're, we're not as good at com compartmentalizing as we think we are. And whatever's going on here at work is going on in life. We take work home with us. We bring home to work. So we're going to coach the whole person. So that was the, that was the why behind, um, behind the context piece. I I couldn't agree more, Kate. Absolutely. I 
this notion of the fact that work is work and life is life is not a thing in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love that approach that it's not a, ta- and it's not a tactical one, which is so interesting, Rena, because you had lived in tactical for so long in your career that this was, this was just an unbelievable leap for you. And so let's talk about you talk about Marina throwing your whole self into anything that you do when you make that decision to do it. And in this case, what was this experience like for you? Yeah, I, I think, I think initially probably the first couple of calls um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Kate caught on or knows this. Uh, she's insanely intuitive. Uh, there was a little of like, how far do I engage? How, you know, because it's, it's one thing to, throw yourself into systems or throw yourself into school, right? Where it's very academic, but it's a different thing to throw your whole self into yourself, so to speak. Um, and, you know, I think that was, it was just a little bit of like how, okay, I am notorious for doing things, you know, you know, throwing everything into it, doing it uh, as best as I can, not half-assing anything. And now I'm being asked to, you know, really throw that kind of, of attention and determination and, and drive into me. And it was uncomfortable at first. And, and there were a couple of calls where I'm like, I don't know if, if, if I go 50%, I don't feel like I'm going to get everything I need out of this, but I going any more than that makes me really uncomfortable. And so the first couple of calls, I was just like, I was still a little hesitant, still sort of there's some trepidation there. And I think there was just one day, I think I just went into the call, like it is going to be what it is. I'm going to cry forever and it's going to be insanely uncomfortable and let's just hope this works. (laughs) And so, you know, there was that just, just again, coming to terms with, I'm just going to throw everything I have into me and, and trust in Kate, you know, she talked about trust. I think that's a huge thing, right? I think we established trust and I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm going to get in this. So that was sort of the turning point for you then. And, and so Kate, can you talk us through how, it sounds like you had some work to do there, Kate, in, in breaking Marina's walls down and getting her to that place of trust. Can you talk us through what that was like for you? Sure. Um, where, where to start? Well, I think one thing I would observe that's true of Marina and the reason why I like to work with women is that as women, we tend to start our careers, we enter the workforce as young women. And there, there's some complexity that comes with being a young woman at work. And the way most high achieving women approach uh, their jobs is to become really good at what they do, being really helpful, um, being kind of this utility player. And I mean, basically just grinding it out, just hustling. And I could see that in Marina. And this, the formula works. That's, that's what's interesting is um, that it tends to lead us to these successive promotions and um, more money if um, that's what we're going to. But I call that act one because that's, it's not sustainable in my view. Um, and there comes a point, and it's often where I find people, it's why I was intrigued to work with Marina, where... these bigger questions start to come into play. And for some people, 
it's with a, a major life event like a marriage or having children. But for others, it's um, starting to maybe starting to feel a little bit of burnout or just zooming out and asking some of these bigger questions, which it's funny. Marina thinks I asked her the big questions, but she was asking them of, of, of herself. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of a common formula where I think the work of Act Two is really about returning. But for some of us, it feels like developing um, our authentic self and our priorities and a purposeful vision and confidence and self-compassion and self-worth and all of these things that are really an inside job. So I could see that that's where Marina was, even though her stated goal was to run a better meeting, right? <laughs> this, is, this happens from the inside out. And I wanted to um, really get to the yeah, you know, I can send you an article on running a better meeting, but I, I don't really think that's what this is about. And, you know, we went through some of the more formal uh, steps of we had feedback from colleagues and we reviewed that. And um, I remember there were a few key things in the feedback that, that jumped out to her, but it was all about her, as I think everything is. There's the world and then there's how we relate to it, which always says something more about us than the world itself. And I could see that she was both hungry for, but not completely sure how to do this work of looking at, here's who I am, and here's how I view the world. And maybe some of that does need to change. You know, one of her key questions was, do I need to change? And the short answer to that is yes, but maybe not in the way that she thought she did. You know, I'm not going to tell her what to wear, but she needed, she needed to change some things. So I, um, most of my work centers around uh, an equation that our potential, um, which is what most of us are going for, you know, if you ask the question, and for a while I was asking people this question of how much of your potential do you think you're living up to? And most people hover right around like 60%. And that's so interesting to me of why aren't we living into more of our potential? So that our, yet most people hire coaches to be better performers, like increase my performance. Most people aren't saying increase my potential. Mm -hmm. So I come in with your performance equals, it's an equation, right? Your potential, what you're capable of in this life minus interference. And the interference is almost always you. It's almost always in your head. So that's what I was trying to, to break through with Marina. What's this, what's this interference? And I could see that she was fighting me a little bit on it, <laughs> which, is, which is fine because I, another key tenant of that most coaches work around is you meet your client where they are. So she guides the conversation and she kept coming back to it too. So I knew that it was, um, that she wanted to go there. There was definitely no pushing. I think my role as a coach is to, is to challenge and support. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I could see that, that, there was a need to, to get into what is this interference and what are these untrue limiting beliefs, which, which I think when we can start to get at the core of those, these things that we believe to be true, but they're not, we need to challenge them. And it puts a, they're self-imposed. It's a self-imposed ceiling that we put above our own heads and we all do it. Um, I think that is one of the early steps of breaking through transformation is starting to realize, wow, some of these things I've just been carrying around believing, they're not true. And if I, if I let that belief go, I could do more. 
And do you have any examples of like what those interferences might be? You said stuck in our head, but (laughs) but do you have anything a bit more concrete than that? I mean, I I I can use the the one of just you know physical appearance, right? And Mm -hmm. it's my limiting but to belief of, you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm going to be candid, right? I'm not a forty-something white male uh, sit, you know, with a button-down shirt that wants a seat at the table, right? So that limiting belief of I maybe I need to wear long sleeves, or you know, maybe I need to dress differently, or to be taken seriously, and to be, you know, to to really have a seat. That was a huge limiting belief for me, and it also, I think, it was. Um, I think on I think the the other side of that, and again, what I realize now that I didn't realize then was you can have you know this this notion I think you know you even said a carry of work and life um it's just life, and it doesn't matter where you are in it or physically or emotionally it's just life and and this idea of when you manage people, even much like Kate said, you manage the whole person, and there was this limiting belief of like we can't share feelings at work and we can't talk about, you know, what you're afraid of. And, you know, that's, you can't do that. And it was, it was, uh, that was also a limiting belief of like, how, how do you, you know, how do you make connections with people that you work with and people that you manage? And so it was really this idea, it sounds like this whole transformation sort of happened where it was, wasn't just, it was almost like inception, Kate, where, you sort of broke down Marina in understanding her whole self so that when she goes out into the world and manages people, she can help understand the people she's managing and help them sort of understand their whole selves. Yeah, I think that's a big part of the coaching journey is deciding what you want your impact to be and being really intentional about that. And for, for many people, it's part of their, their vision for themselves, which speaks a lot to potential um, of that, that bigger picture question of who are you as a leader? How do you want to show up and how do you want to impact people? So often earlier in my career, I would get coaching gigs because someone was having a negative impact on people. And sometimes we called that the, the wake they would leave, that they were leaving a very negative wake. And I'm sure we've all had that bad boss or heard of the bad boss at some point where they're having a bad day and it just wreaks havoc on everyone around them. Um, but it's, it's really the other side of that coin of getting really intentional about who do you want to be? Who do you want to show up as in this world? Not just in the company you work for, but to your community and to your children. And it's, it's all the same. And what's the impact you want to have on people? And I think Marina... Um, I think that kind of cracked you open. Yeah, yeah. It, I I think that's exactly right. This this connection with people and and really coming into it. And I'll I'll say it's it's I it's certainly not the easiest route of of leading people. You know, I I know there are a lot of leaders that you know do keep it transactional and and probably do get uh, quite a bit out of the folks that they manage. That just wasn't me. I just I couldn't I couldn't keep it transactional. And I I I actually didn't you know, I, I don't want to say I didn't think it was okay, but I didn't, I, I didn't know that we could do that, that that was normal. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think we read, at least I redefined what was normal for me and, and it just became more comfortable, you know, just, uh, I became more comfortable with asking those uncomfortable questions and it's not comfortable for me either. It just, it's the only thing that I know. 
And so what are you doing today then? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think um, the culmination of, of my journey, at least, and, and kind of when I really realized what it was all about was almost a year ago today, um, I, I had, gosh, I, I, I don't even know how many people I had on my team at that point. They were all still fairly new. In fact, all of them didn't know me before Kate. So they kind of knew this sort of new, they were, they kind of knew me just as I was. Um, and we were going into a new fiscal year and I, I just wanted to do something different. And I, I had no intentions and no, you know, no preconceived notions. I, I, I put together a, a slide template and I just asked very, I don't even know that they were provocative questions, but they were very normal questions. Think, well, my normal questions, like what are you afraid of? What inspires you? What motivates you? And um, I sent out the slide deck and I just said here, you know, you're going to get a month to work on this, answer this however you want, and we're going to go through it as a group. And I remember some folks on one-on-ones would ask me like, what do you mean by what are you afraid of? Or what do you mean by what inspires you? And I said, you can, whatever, however you interpret that and whatever you're comfortable sharing, you get to decide, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna, I, I don't have any expectations. And um, so the time came and I think I titled the meeting, like, let's talk about your feelings meeting. I, I can't even remember something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the people that I, they just dove in and it was, we cried like uncontrollably at times because what people how and people interpreted those questions was just like you know I, I you know they shared some some deep parts of their soul and I was just like and I, I literally felt that that at that time I was like that's what this is about that's what this journey for me was about and the connection that all those folks made and the trust they had with each other just to share that and it was fairly new team I think you know, uh, the, the team at that point or the people at that point maybe had been working together for four months, six months at the total, again, in a pretty transactional way. Mm -hmm. And it, we had this, I remember some folks were remote and some people were here at headquarters and it was such a great, they, we were just having great conversations. I had to get another room. And I remember there were four of us, I think, walking through the office and we were, had tears in our eyes and sniffling and we're trying not to look at anybody because we're like, we want to continue this conversation, but we had to transfer to a different conference room. And yeah, it was just, it was really a, a profound kind of experience for me. And what's that, what's the impact on your team now after having gone through that experience altogether? How would you say the working relationship is for everybody? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think there's definitely a, a, a ton of trust there, um, you know, and I think, you know, in any team situation, that's the foundation of, of anything, probably even outside of teams, obviously outside of teams. Um, and I think, you know, people understand now where, where other folks, folks are coming from. And if somebody has a bad day, you know, they, we can talk about it. Um, you know, there was one point, there was a guy on my team and, um, you know, we were going into this after this, we were going into this one-on-one -on -one meeting and I could tell he was just frustrated and something was wrong and we shut our laptops and we just, you know, we talked about something completely outside of work that was going on. And so there's certainly a level of trust. Um, and I also think from a leadership position, you also have to balance that with, we still have a job to do and, and you still have to have hard conversations with people about potentially about, you know, performance or, you know, whatever that is. So it's, 
you have to have a balance between, yes, we're going to do these, have these really probably not normal conversations with, you know, a lot of people would say not normal. And we're also going to have performance reviews and hard conversations. I equate it much to potentially like raising kids. I don't have kids of my own. However, that's kind of how I view it. You love them dearly, but you know, if they do something you don't like, you have those hard conversations with them. It doesn't mean you stop loving them. It just means uh, it's, you know, you're having a different conversation. But I think when you know somebody and you know their whole person, you know where they're coming from and, mm-hmm. and that they know you that way. And there's that, as you said, trust between the two of you, that when you do have those hard conversations and you do give that feedback, the person on the receiving end knows that it's coming from a place of wanting them to do better and to grow and to learn. And from this, from your heart, opposed to you just giving them feedback because you're supposed to. Right. You know, one of the things we're describing here is called the psychological contract, and it's the relationship we have with our organizations. And when we're hired into an organization, we have our actual contract, right? How much we're paid, our salary, um, time off, that sort of thing, benefits. But in our minds, we form a psychological contract, which is our relationship with the organization. And, and, it, and they fall on a spectrum of either transactional, which is I work, you pay me. Um, it, it's... Uh, these are the clock watchers. These are, it's time for me to go. That's not my job. Very transactional to relational is at the other end of the spectrum. And inherent to a relational psychological contract are these things like trust. And there is a norm of reciprocity. And there is so much research to show that the more relational the contract is, the longer people stay in organizations, the more committed they are, the more discretionary behavior um, they tend to exhibit, the higher the performance. Um, So some people listening to this might be thinking, wow, this is really soft. Like you cried with your team and you had a, a, a meeting around emotions, but it translates to something very performance driven, very metrics. You know, that's kind of how you started out of measuring, measuring metrics. And um, the ROI on that is that you're building a place where people can perform and feel committed because there's someone there who sees them mm-hmm. for who they are um, and wants to, wants the best for them. So it does translate to something very um, beneficial for the organization and for the work. And the fact that it does has to that it does have to start from the top. And so I think it's so powerful that you took this executive coach coaching, so to speak, uh, to your heart, Marina, and then brought that back to the workplace in such a powerful way. Because if you didn't, as a leader, I'm not sure anybody else would have. So. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I uh, am so moved by it. And I think that as women, especially on the journeys that we go through from, I, I loved how you talked about it, Kate, from you know coming in and trying to be as helpful as possible and growing and then sort of reaching this pinnacle of like, okay, what's next? Well, everybody listen up. This is what's next. How you get a seat at the table, go through coaching, talk to somebody who could help you get there in a really thoughtful and meaningful way and and breaking down this barrier of trying to be helpful to everybody else and turning it inward of how you can essentially help yourself and and then help on a bigger scale um, to more people. So thank you so much, Kate. Thank you so much, Marina. I uh, so appreciate you sharing your story with me. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Carrie.
So that was my conversation with Marina and Kate. Adrian, you've been coaching me now for two, two-ish years about. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'd like to think I have changed and learned and, and grown. So, I mean, have you seen me Absolutely. Evolve? Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, without a doubt. And that was one of the things that I knew actually was going to happen uh, with you is that with you were going to take the outside stimuli seriously and you were coming saying, hey, we've got these issues. And I knew that if we arrived to next steps, you would truly implement them. And maybe not those ne those next steps, maybe not be exactly what happens in the mature end game, but you would certainly grow in the process because you'd be you obviously putting in the work. But I definitely saw you grow in a lot of different areas and, and kind of a few of the key ones is you really realize there's things you can do and things that you can't or shouldn't do. And that's a particularly difficult self-realization because uh, it gets to the point where it doesn't make sense for you to do things anymore. Um, got to get out of the way. Exactly. You've got to get out of the way. You actually end up causing more trouble for your experts if you try to do it. A, because you don't have the context anymore, or if you, maybe you do have the context, but what you're actually doing is stepping on some toes um, and demoralizing to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. uh, that's assuming you have the context. I'm not saying that you did that, but you run the risk of doing it just because you know, you've kind of been elevated over time. So really being able to see that there are things that you really shouldn't be doing anymore. I'm still and learning that, but yes, I'm yeah, better at you, it. You know, I feel like it. uh, that's, it's like playing an instrument. You never really finish with a lot of this stuff. You just get better at it um, for sure. And the other ones that I've got are kind of along that, but it's still similar, uh, still a little bit different. You're definitely more confident in drawing the line between who Carrie is as the CEO or COO, excuse me, and who Carrie is as the person where they mix and kind of where they don't mix. Um, it's important to be who you are. Who, who Carrie is is what has built the culture of this company. It's a great culture and you can't divest that. But you do need to draw a line to protect yourself to a certain degree. And I think you've been uh, doing a really good job of that. Um, you've been more confident in letting go of some things while at the same time being confident in saying, no, that's not how things should necessarily be. So it's, it's very difficult for anyone other than you to say exactly where that line is, but I've definitely seen you been able to say, no, hey, it doesn't make sense for me to touch this anymore. I don't have the time, I don't have the bandwidth, I don't have the skills for it anymore. I've got people on my team that are really good at this. <laughs> they need to do it. Yeah. But then at the same time, when you see things are going a little bit sideways, you put your COO hat on and be like, hey, that's not how we need to do this. This is not how our culture works. These are not the products that we should be putting out. So you can come and say, you, we can't deliver it, things like this. All right, figure out a better way to do this team. And then you work with the team and they, they do. So I really think you've been more confident in taking that stance. And, and when I say it, it sounds much more intense than the way I think you would actually do it. Um, but that's because I appreciate I'm talking you saying you. that, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think you, you go in and put a hammer down or anything like that, but I, I think it's nuanced and it's subtle and, and it's um, methodical and you understand your audience when you're doing it. Um, oh, so yeah. it's done in a way that, that all boats rise. I learned that one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a hard lesson to learn. <laughs>
Yeah, you know, working with people is the hardest and the best thing out there, for sure. It is. And, and understanding, and I'm not an expert in it. I, I think I'm decent at it, and I think I can help others. But I, uh, oh, there's so you world of school that you can go to to get uh, wildly better than I am. Uh, the other one is uh, your prioritization has improved, for sure. Um, and that sounds like such a simple thing, but it's actually a very, very hard thing. And it's not just about prioritizing tasks, it's prioritizing your energy and where you're gonna put that and where is it gonna do the most good? Mm -hmm. The most good for you, the most good for your company, the most good for your family. Um, you know, and when we, when we started this conversation, I would say we were almost 100% about uh, HR challenges or items related to HR in some way. And over time that merged into talking about marketing things that you wanna to do to push the company and then different passion projects and how you're pr prioritizing going outside of your immediate work sphere to grow and change. And ultimately how that's gonna help you to carry the individual as well as carry the COO at NKG. Um, the, the, the motto modules that you're doing and this podcast is a really good example of that as well. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different areas that when we started, um, I think they were, they were flickers in your eye um, while we were dealing with some HR items. So over time, it's been very clear that you, you've grown and taking your step, your, yourself out where you need to be taken out, but also investing in other areas that would do really good. I can't pretend that I can take uh, uh, credit for that. Um, I think I just gave you some good nudges and you went off and identified what those things are and have done an outstanding job of it. Well, I really like the way you, you coach because you're not heavy handed generally. Um, there's a couple of things you need to be heavy handed about, which I actually really appreciate. One of them, which is still to this day. So anybody at MKG who's listening, this is the origin of MRI right here. Most respectable interpretation came from Adrian, um, which was a game changer when we talk about finding that line between carry the person and carry the COO learning to not take things personally and trying to put myself in the other person's shoes of where this information is coming from and understanding that chances are it's not directed at you. It might feel that way because this was, at, you know, as a, a leader and a business owner, this is something that I've created and that I've grown. And then to get feedback on that, you know, was really, really hard. Um, but once I was able to MRI it, step back, take what people are saying and learn how to, and, and not feel like everything needed a response. Like mm -hmm. to not always have the answer and to say, I'll take that into consideration or thank you for your feedback and not necessarily needing to do anything with it in that moment in time was also, I feel like a way that I've really grown from being reactive to now taking thoughtful action, um, which all stems from from MRI, which you were very heavy handed about and I appreciate. But then there were times where I feel like you coached me in a way where I sort of found the answer myself by just asking me really smart questions or reef, you do this all the time. I don't even know if you know it, constantly reframing what I've said with different words. <laughs> yeah, you know, words are, re are we underestimate the power of words and the power we give to words, they matter and they're important and how you f structure a sentence and your word choice says a lot about how you view it. And the interesting thing about 
how we work is, you know, to a certain degree, how we think is the media is very dependent on the media we consume and including our internal media and meaning our self-talk. So if you're forming things and talking about things in a negative way, it's because you're coming from a negative place by changing how you talk about it. Like you're not going to fix depression, but you're going to be able to think about things a little bit more positively. And I've always found it's so much easier to take action when you're positive than it is when you're negative. So just the, the, some swapping of words, simple words can have a, a, a motivating factor on people. I don't know. Yeah. I, I wish I could write down and say, I, I invented that. I didn't. Um, I don't know who did someone else much smarter than me, but I'm really glad that it works. I also didn't invent MRI. I'm sure I stole that from someone else. Much yeah, definitely. Too. But I, but the way that you bring those to me and then I'm able to implement them, I just think was really powerful. And, and I mean, I think that's what we do as advertise, advertisers is we constantly look around us and figure out what we can then take and, and implement ourselves to then. So I think that yeah. comes with, but I also think it really comes to a special person who understands how to mentor people and how to you know be heavy-handed when need to be and be more laid back and just you know asking those smart questions reframing things in a way that you may have not thought of and then yeah. coming to the realization to yourselves I think it's just huge and then passion man passion projects have been a huge eye-opener like finding those things to get you out of bed in the morning yeah. and that you're excited about so that you can give energy to the things you're less excited about. But knowing on the other side, you have these passion projects to, to do, to have that creative outlet was huge, huge for me. Yeah. So you've definitely helped me evolve over the years. I am very grateful. I love our relationship. I'm glad it's still going. Thank you I for goosebumps now. all your effort. I really appreciate it. Um, of course, of course. Uh, that was my conversation with Marina and Kate. Uh, you could see some similarities in my evolution and, and Marina's. Having a coach is so powerful for any leader who's leading a, a team. It doesn't have to be a company. Marina's leading a team over at Sumo Logic. And, and to be able to start within your immediate community and have an impact as a leader there and learning how to do that is so powerful. I am so all about leadership coaching. If you're a leader, get out there and get one. Here are other perspectives on how to lead a team. It's so powerful to find what your values are as a person to then how to bring that into a culture and cultivate one. Like, imagine if every team did that and then strung together a whole bunch of teams with that to then build an organization. Like, wow, so cool. Thank you, Marina and Kate. If you'd like to learn more about Marina and Kate, you can find them on LinkedIn. I have their links in the notes. Feel free to reach out to them. They're wonder, wonderful people. I feel like we've only scratched the surface of what they were able to accomplish together. And, and if you'd like to learn more about how you can do the same, definitely reach out to them. Thank you for listening to the MKG podcast, the podcast that helps marketers grow their businesses using the four M's, the right means, messaging, media, and measurement. I'm your host, Carrie Gard, and until next time. 